Soy facing like a boss. Hi, guys. There uh, we go. There we are. There are the faces. Smiling faces. Smiling faces. Sometimes they don't tell the truth. Smiling faces. Smiling faces. Sometimes. Hi, guys. Ah. Ah. So, don't really have anything planned for today. Don't have any graphs. Don't worry about that. Just, uh, just having a chill, uh, wind down day, hanging out. What do you guys, th uh, what's the, what is going on? I haven't really been online. Uh, what's been the, the big news other than the hilarious mercenary mishaps of our, uh, of our friends in the deep state? Goof em, the goof em ups that everyone's having down in Venezuela with the, uh, the Danny McBride characters who tried to grab Nicolas Maduro with a cartoon butterfly net. We're going to do a crossover with the QAnon guys next week. Uh, the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Not, not, the, uh, not the Patriots who decode the proofs. Has there been a Q proof in a while? It seems like the whole... Um, it's kind of funny because you'd think that the that the uh, um, the COVID nineteen thing would really go to their benefit. They'd be like, "Oh, great, we can, you know, this is this is it." But they had the problem that one, you know, I'm not sure how much uh, Q talked about in any kind of legible way. There being, you know, um, uh. He didn't really talk about those things. He didn't talk about um, there being a bunch uh, a virus or anything. So it's like, hey, if, if uh, Q is so smart, what the fuck? Uh, and then there's the fact that even though Trump's president, you'd think a time like a massive, uh, massive uh, illness outbreak like this would be a perfect opportunity to round up the sickos, and they're not doing it. They're not rounding up the sickos, so they must be very confused. So I'm I'm looking forward to talking to those guys about what the latest uh, what the latest uh, attempts at parsing reality are from those people. Uh, I think that for Epstein stuff, I think for anything, any of the fun conspiracy stuff, uh, you should treat conspiracy shit the way that you treat uh, like one of your favorite food indulgences. You know, you shouldn't give up things that you really enjoy to eat, but you should eat them in moderation and certainly as part of a balanced diet. That's You can apply that to media in all ways, but you can certainly apply it to the way that you construct like political reality in your head. And the great thing about conspiracy stuff is that it's just, even if it's not true, it's the shadow of what's really happened. You know, like uh, nothing that uh, Oliver Stone says about the, the, the military-industrial complex taking over the government after the Kennedy assassination is wrong. It's just the question of whether or not Kennedy was actually killed by them. Um, same thing with CIA mind control. I mean, what the hell do you call this massive digital infrastructure that controls every element of our, uh, of our like, symbolic language uh, and which is basically at the beck and call only of corporate titans and... Uh, the deep state intelligence agencies. How isn't that just, how isn't the fucking, how do you not think of the internet as just like a giant uh, 
MLK, MK Ultra experiment. You know, and it's like none of that has to be literally true. But if you recognize the contours, you can apply them to your real life and it makes you realize things like, oh, this is not a democracy. Oh, these institutions are not legitimized by who is who votes for who. You get that truth and the le- the like the lighter you hold and the less you indulge in like your conspiracy stuff needing to be technically true, the more it can help you contextualize information and new things that happen to you. But like the cons- the cranks, the conspiracy cranks are the people who insist no no no. This isn't just something we can speculate about. This is something that we can, not only can, the, not, the uh, we know exactly what happened, but I am the one who actually knows what happened. And those people uh, have become too brittle in their thinking to accommodate anything else. Like, take a guy like Grover Fur. Anybody know Grover Fur? Grover Fur is the king of the uh, Stalin apologists, uh, apologist um, academic tradition. He, he's he's, a, he's at a university in New Jersey, and he writes these books about how the entire Khrushchev's secret speech was a lie, that everybody who died in the um, in uh, the Great Purges was killed by Yezov uh, without Stalin knowing it, and um, uh, that the Ukrainian famines basically didn't happen or were, were grossly exaggerated. Uh, and to the extent that they killed people, Stalin didn't know about it. Now, of course... He's trying to do that to justify Stalin, right? Like, he's trying to get people to think Stalin was a good guy. But he's acknowledging that all this bad stuff happened. Well, if Stalin was a good leader and a good good guy to guide the uh, the, the great ship of state, uh, the great helmsman, why the hell was all that bad shit happening? Like, how, how... And it starts from... But the thing is, he starts from a good premise. He starts from the premise of, I'm going to defend Stalin against the, the, uh, the Robert Service... Uh, Robert Conquest, neocon slander of the Soviet Union, and the entire uh, uh, Bolshevik project. And you should. And Stalin needs to be contextualized. I mean, my God, I would start by pointing out, you want to cry about the holodormo? How about the fact that the fat piece of shit who is uh, supposed to be like the epic Win Bacon member of the big three, Winston Churchill, uh, allowed three million people to die in Bengal of starvation and yucked it up the entire time? I mean, contextualize it. That's where you, like, try to uh, extract the truth and, like, remove the sting of the slander. But Grover got so fixated on the question of Stalin's personal virtue, as if that matters, that he just, like, rearranged his entire project to not, not even be about that anymore. Because he, he, didn't, cause he, wasn't, he didn't hold the truth loosely enough as in his hand. And that's the same thing with conspiracy stuff. So, like, yeah, I believe the Epstein stuff represents some degree of a real network of real rich pedophiles who really ritually abuse children. Where they do it, how often they do it, which ones do it, I don't know. And neither does anybody else who speculates. You can build up, like, you know, the, the artifice of your, uh, of your uh, instinctive faith in it through the accumulation of, like, meaningful details. I mean, Epstein is really the gift that keeps on giving in that respect. It's, it's, he's been dead for almost what a year, almost a year now, and or, he, or nine months, and uh, there's still stuff happening that's that's spilling out about his insane connections to every element of the of the of uh, of the of the uh, what you got from the deep state, you've got Silicon Valley, uh, you've got the uh, the NGO para governments of the Gateses that's also tied in with the coronavirus vaccine. 
it's it's just a rich onion and worth up. But like the whole time, you don't have to you don't have to fucking say no because if it's not true, I'm wasting my time. It's only wasting your time if it matters whether it's true or not. And then since you're trying to build an ideology and not not like you're not serving on a jury, just kind of let it hang and just find what really is convincing. So you can let the stuff that you believe because of motivated reasoning fall away. Because then you're not convincing yourself it's true all the time to fill in the gaps of your uh, of your information. <sighs> How would you start a mercenary company? That's a good question. I, th- I should probably get one. Sounds like it'd be fun. Huh. That's funny. Rojava is a model for... Uh, <laughs> post-American balkanization. <laughs> I mean, that is obviously one of the better case scenarios if that were to happen. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about the the whole, like, coalescing doomer wave now you know, as we really look into the face that the government and the, and the and, and corporations are, and the state is, is willing to just normalize 9-11 every day to maintain a market economy and not even like to get to permanently overthrow it and have themselves executed. No, they could still manage the transition. They're just too incompetent and too brittle in their uh, power to risk letting that happen. Let, letting it out of their, letting, letting it show, be shown to people for even what, a year that you could manage the economy without market signals. So they're going to just let everyone die. They're going to Thandos snap everybody. Because that's the Thandos snap. Thandos is the ultimate neoliberal. Because he's got the Thandos glove and he could do anything. But he is so conditioned by neoliberalism that it's like, yeah, no, there's too many people, not enough resources, got to kill them all. When you could wish for any number of changes to the material circumstances that would make it more, uh, more harmonious for people to live together. And that's what we're not. That's where we all are. I mean, they weren't fucking around with. They, there is no alternative. Uh, and the, like we're looking honestly, what we're looking at more than anything is, is at the fucking enormity of our powerlessness in the face of this. That's really what is freaking people out. It's just how fucking powerless people are, and how we're gonna let it happen, and we're gonna end up blaming each other. We're gonna end up feeling guilty, and we're gonna be mad at others to some degree. And going to put almost none of that energy towards like resting power from these Draculas. And that's not any of our faults. Because coronavirus is like just breathtakingly symbolic creature. I mean, not it comes out, it attacks this system, this late capitalist system, and it basically replicates every uh, uh, fault line. It, it, it presses on every fault line to push things in a bad direction. So, like, at the material level, it comes to an economy, the United States, that's first of all run by a corrupt cabal of, of, uh, of incompetent criminals. And I'm not even talking about the Trump administration. I'm talking about the, the permanent bureaucracy and the basically semi-permanent party uh, apparatchiks who make up both parties of Congress, both, both sides of the aisle, obviously, uh, all the way through, all three branches of government, just topped with a little cherry of the ridiculous orange Cheeto man. Uh, so you have that, and then you have on top of that a fucking uh, uh, a, a gig-based fucking economy of people working uh, uh, like people working tenuous, precarious service industry jobs uh, to, to just make up for the deficit in, in or make up for the need for consumption that Americans are required for the, by the rest of the world. Uh, 
uh, to be as the consumer of last resort. We got to keep eating. Uh, if it piles up too much, the economy falls apart. You keep eating hogs. Keep eating. Uh, well, boom. Now, at the at the material level, you can't get service. You can't go out. You can't go to the to the to the uh, Uncle Pete's pop uh, trop slop <clears throat> slop trough rather. Uh, you can't go down to uh, going out of the Pizza Gorge. And of course, that just makes people who are wildly alienated and basically get only their almost all of their pleasure in life from direct physical sensation of fat, carbohydrates, uh, and alcohol. That, that's not a good combination. And they have to stay home. And the economy has a huge demand cycle. And then you say, great, this is the material conditions that should lead to a revolution, right? Like that was the hopeful, that was the hopeful pill when this started. People aren't going to put up for that. But look at what the effect of the disease is. Just as it affects the material conditions along its weakest fault line, which is the fact that it's a service economy, it attacks our political culture at its weakest fault line, which is that it's wildly atomized. Like One of the big reasons that Bernie failed is because the citizens do not uh, have the uh, motor connection between uh, uh, people who are have enough free time uh, and enough alienation to you know form a political opposition to capitalism that's coherent enough to be effective, uh, and the people who are uh, in the communication flow to even hear that hear that uh, or like at the level and have the level of like good faith investment in strangers on the internet. Uh, or the government to invest any more, uh, any of their will towards it. And now we're literally in a situation where we've created a fucking caste system of people who are too busy running around, i.e. too materially alienated, too uh, labor alienated, too busy running around uh, risking their life to survive, and everybody else stuck in their houses like uh, veal calves to, with, uh, with this vast amount of alienated um, leisure time and it's they're literally pressed against it, like out from each other they are socially polarized by the actual uh, by the virology the, the, the effect the virological effect of corona and so now you've got two forces pushing the economy into greater uh, distress but also pushing the ability to fight back against it uh, uh, is dissipated by the pressure against people physically from even being able to talk to one another. Because as we've discussed, internet isn't going to do it. We've discussed. That's done. It has to move to the real world, and just as the real world reasserts itself, everybody is literally behind their doors and unable to talk to each other. And more and more and more invested in symbols. I mean, my God. They're now making, like, SNL, Saturday Night Live, a fucking show, a Zoom show. Do you think that's going back? It's not going all the way back. None of this is going all the way back. Uh, so that's why there's a lot of room for despair. But, like, something's going to shift. Something's going to shift. There's going to be a big old shift happening here uh, in the coming years. And the thing is, because everything is so brittle and because our political system in particular is so brittle, and because we spend so much time of our emotional investment uh, in politics around those symbols that are most fragile, like the United States and all that, as a concept, uh, we forget that 
there's another representation uh, of like the fragility of America, and it's the size of its economy, like the raw size of the American economy. And the simple fact is that even with Corona, and even with uh, thousands dead, even with the huge demand shortfall, even with the Great Depression too, with just pure neoliberalism, there is a there's like an entropic rate that that economy can like lose power, it, unless there's some massive intervention like the like the coronavirus turns into the Black Plague, or you know we get nuked or something to destroy a bunch of capital instantly. The capital has to go there, go out into the rest of the world at a certain rate. So America's decline from this point is clearly and obviously, uh, it's not even a question of whether it's going to happen. We're in the decline phase. We are on on one of those Plinko board zigzaggy decline phases. You know, and um, the thing is, this is going to bring another decline phase, but at any one of those the conditions can shift enough that all of a sudden there's political friction again and you can do something. So the assumption that because everything looks so brittle now, uh, even with even with bad things happening, that those bad things have to be the end, that those bad things mean there's no way to arrest decay, uh, that is incorrect also. And of course, it's a liberal excuse to disengage from politics completely and uh, let the world go to hell while you... Uh, Drowned yourselves in luxuries. Uh, Adam Curtis, a few years ago, described how any compelling vision of it for a new world would require somebody something that can marry subjective mystery and scientific reality back together again. Agree, disagree. Wow. You know, the funny thing is, is I would have read, I would, I didn't see that movie. Uh, I'm not sure which one that is, uh, but um, yeah, no, the, the pandemic's going to be just the same, only worse. But the thing is, is that the worse is going to cause a new alignment that might bring out a different crisis, and that's the thing. Uh, you got to you got to remember because like there still has to be a function that makes the worse happen, and that is like you know the the punctuation. Uh, oh, he was interviewing Russell Brand. Um, I would have read that a few years ago, and I would have been like, that's absolutely true. But then I would have just been like, yeah, but how? And then I would have been like, yeah, well, somebody better figure that out. Oh, well, uh, I'm off to epically own Ross Douthat. But uh, now I'm like, oh, God, yeah, of course. That's literally what I've been thinking through this whole time. But the problem is, is that at that level of abstraction, there's nothing to do about it. So you end up being paralyzed. You have to start from the grill. You have to start from from the table in front of you and deciding what you're going to put on it. But the thing is, is that you say you need to put, and this is the problem, like you got trad will say, yeah, you need to put religion back into the material world. But the way they want to do that is they want to take the material reality of like the, the brittle and disgusting uh, institution of the Catholic Church and just bash people over the head with it. Well, that's not going to work. That you're just gonna you're just gonna end up like being another arm of disciplinary capitalism. Uh, you know, they're just gonna sell rosaries instead of flashlights. It's it's just it's not it doesn't change anything because people's relationship to the religion hasn't changed uh, organically, which can only occur over time when they have an opportunity when people have an opportunity to reflect. The only thing when we're this alienated uh, materially, uh, 
globally and how and and, and is is going to be to reduce material alienation. And so nobody's going to be able to go back to church and uh, have kids again like these tradcasts want if the fucking boot isn't taken off the neck of people in this country and around the world. And then then you can have like a a genuine piety and sense of uh, of purpose and social cohesion emerge. But that means you someone has to move first. And the person who has to move first is the person who has to who has the foot on the neck. And that is I'm sorry, it's not it's not the the happy uh it's not the happy merchant. It's not uh it's not Hollywood degeneracy. It's not cultural marxists which is all just begging the question. It's capitalism. Along that axis of who is making it harder for people to be spiritual, it is capitalism. So any of these tradcaps who want to marry anything to the idea that no, we can do this through markets uh or through basically through supporting market politics. Uh, it, and, and advancing market politics uh, is absurdly wrong. So it's like if spirit, all spiritual problems have a material base and vice versa. And the spiritual problem is spiritual emptiness. The, uh, the solution is material is reduction of material alienation and spiritual alienation in equal measure. And, but the question it's like, well, that's both things. Yeah, but who but where is the plane? The plane is material, so you start with material. So anybody who's tradcathing on the internet is just LARPing along with every other tanky with the fucking uh, Stalin avatar or anybody else. They're all just playing pretend. None of them really believe in that because they're not acting in a way that would bring it about. They're acting in a way that will perpetuate and suspend if it were... Like, this is where the cat comes in. I hate to say this, but if everyone reacted that way... If everybody decided to fight for traditional Catholicism online or bring back uh, the Soviet Union online, uh, guess what? It would if and and their practice for doing that was fighting on the computer over it. Like if everybody had your beliefs, but their beliefs were fighting over the computer about it, guess what? You'd still live in neoliberal hell. Think about that. Everybody who's like a political practice is yelling at other people on the computer to sharpen their identity. If everyone did that, not everyone believed what you believed, but everybody believed what you believed and acted on it in the same way like if they were just snapped into a place, it's the same world as ours so it's not like the material conditions have changed but now everyone believes what you believe, everyone's a trad cat congratulations, but they also have your ingrained need to, to, st- to establish a trad cathery uh, through the internet or through or uh, uh, epic uh, uh, Maoist third worldism or anything and guess what Neoliberalism that you snap back into would persist. It would change a little bit, but it would be around the edges. See, I don't, I don't understand how that's supposed to say be disagreement. Suicide rates decreased during times of war because people felt their suffering served a greater purpose. Exactly, they were less spiritually alienated by because they were more materially invested. They, they're suffering for the, work is not labor is not necessarily spirit deadening dead labor is spirit deadening dead labor with your fighting if you're fighting against a war that you believe in or believe in to the extent that you want to see your family live through uh, that's because you believe what you're doing and so even if you are in material hardship your degree of alienation is less. 
So yeah, but that's the same process. And it's generated at the material level. I got, all, I got all peppery there, guys. I'm sorry. I'm trying to yell less in general. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to let things flow through me, but I'm a little, I'm a little off kilter today for a few reasons. Sorry. Hoping to get back onto the, uh, onto the escapement. Is neoliberalism still a useful term if what we're going to see following the pandemic is a retrenchment toward globalism, uh, from globalism towards protectionism and uh yeah it'll just be uh it'll the, the the plane will be different uh like neoliberalism doesn't treat everybody the same obviously ask ask anyone from a fucking uh you know uh, an african country uh or india you know the global south ask anybody who got killed in the bangladeshi fucking uh sweatshop uh that uh Matt Iglesias uh defended doesn't the, the, uh, it doesn't it, under these conditions it doesn't treat anybody everybody well it pretends to but these and uh, but it doesn't actually uh, and so if 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 the global market breaks into regional markets that aren't able to connect to each other anymore because of some sort of massive breakdown if the, if, if if global warming and the pandemic have that degree of uh, dissolution of uh, of structural uh, legitimacy then that's just going to reproduce itself in that group, which is why uh, the white nationalists are idiots. If you still have capitalism as the driver of your economy, you're just going to find a new group of people. Look at what John Cornyn did in Texas. This guy, he tells everybody, uh, he says, hey, if you're a fucking, uh, if you're fat or you have a heart attack and you die of COVID, you didn't really die of COVID, you died of your own sinful behaviors. But he's referring to his own Texas constituents because a greater threat to profit exists. That same phenomenon is going to exist in your white havens. So neoliberalism is still going to be, the, or at that point, it's just capitalism. Because neoliberalism, the, the neoliberal uh, element of that is the, is the dream of it becoming global. Like the globe really is the symbol of neoliberalism because that is the dream, is, is yes, markets, obviously. Like it's always been yes, markets, obviously, since the beginning of, of, uh, of history. But Yes, markets, obviously, given these restraints. Yes, markets, obviously, but, like, all these things, Keynesianism, whatever, it's all, yes, markets, obviously, but what about the real world we live in? Neoliberalism, no, no, markets. We have the whole world. See the globe. So if that broke up, you would just have smaller subunits. Since they were aware that other places still existed, it couldn't be neoliberalism anymore. Because those places are, you know, contributing in some way, uh, because they'd be interacting, presumably, to undermine, like, the establishment of a market. So, like, neoliberalism is a totalized state, or a dream of a totalized state, uh, that wouldn't persist in, like, some fractured thing. But the, pers- but, but, cap- but, uh, the logic, the extractive logic of that hyper capital, hyper developed state of capitalism, where it's been honed to a fucking Hanzo steel edge that cuts through everything. Uh, that's going to uh, still be there. 
and it's going to cut up every one of these traditionalist societies. It's going to chop up all those uh, Hungarians who think that uh, Orban has their best interests at heart. Uh, it's going to chop up all the Brexit, all the all the gammons, all the Brexit gammons if they fall out of the purview of capitalism as it emerges. If they are not needed um, as consumers, and then they'll just find a new axis of of uh, of, of back back justified. Uh, differentiation to justify why they deserved it. See, that's the problem, is that, like, obviously the end state of communism is is global communism, as it has to be. I mean, if neoliberalism is the dream, is the nightmare of a globe reduced by markets to destruction uh, and desiccation, the, the 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 dream is a totalized uh, 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 communal state that harmonizes flow of resources and protects the uh, the, the homeostasis between uh, species and and humans and and the natural world natural world and right now the one where it breaks down and shatters down into smaller and smaller units until we establish we go basically we went from it's, it's like a ride on a, uh, it's like the uh, the American Eagle at, uh, at Six Flags it's like early early slave uh, agricultural empires uh, feudalism capitalism crisis point crisis of of, of, uh, of inputs basically crisis of, of, uh, of profit the need for profit in the system it's essentially the point where the need for profit in the system of capitalism collapses against the degree of entropy in that system, i.e. the exhaustion of resources, the alienation of, uh, of, of human spirit and, and, uh, and material you know, condition. And when that happens, what has happened in the past, the next stage, hypothetically, the one we're all hoping for, is, is a move towards the capitalism now, or towards some sort of socialism. Now that if that flow is if that if the if the momentum in the direction up is insufficient, it's going to fall back down, and it's not going to go into something we don't recognize. It's going to be a new version of feudalism, a synthesized techno feudalism that has uh, the social condi- characteristics of feudalism, but now with the uh, the economic efficiency and symbolic efficiency and material deadness, frankly, of uh, of capitalism, which is essentially the worst possible state. You can't think of a worse state than this. Because you've got a situation where people are as cowed and and uh, confused and unable to organize effectively against power as they are in, as they, uh, uh, more than they ever were under capitalism when it became hegemonic, at the mercy of a, uh, of a governing ideology that has at its disposal uh, a, a refined version of the hoe and the uh, 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 and the, the Martin Bailey Castle that is purely digital, purely synthetic, operated at the press of a button, and essentially guarantees that human conditions will be at that point reduced down to the status of uh, slavery again, slave empires. Which that this is see by the way that is the singularity that the fucking dope ass uh, 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 um, like accelerationist Nick Land types. That's what they're praying for. 
basically, they're they're betting that that's not just one result, but the inevitable result, and so they're basically coping with that. Like that's what Nick Land shit is. It's the ultimate like fake cope. It's like, yeah, sure, we're all going to be one with a, a demonic uh, uh, a robot lizard god, but that's cool. That's fine. I like it actually. But obviously, that's absurd ridiculousness because we're too early in the process, way too early in the process to say, oh yeah, no, no, this is the moment when it turns. There are so many different variables because so many different things can happen. Uh, and there's so many different directions that that, that developmental curve can take. Uh, that, yeah, it's just at the end of the day, the black pill is a failure of imagination. It's a failure of, uh, of having the spiritual will to pursue the question uh, to, the, to its fullest extent, at which point you'll realize any, any uh, non-communist teleological approach uh, to human uh, history is faulty because it doesn't take contingency and the dialectical driver of history into, atten- into, uh, into account. It does not accommodate space-time. So throw it in the garbage. Throw it in the garbage. If you got a teleology in there and it isn't towards, if it isn't guided towards fully automated communism, whatever that might be, not in the near term, not the idea that it's going to happen in your lifetime, that's absurd, but that it is a potential end state for human existence. And if Nick Land, Nick Land by saying, no, it's going to be the tech hell uh, uh, singularity, well, I'm sorry, dude, then there is a potential, if there's a potential tech hell singularity, for the, to the exact same extent, there is a potential tech heaven singularity. Sorry, there is. And you might say, oh, not really. At the level of abstraction we're talking about, how many thousand, like, what, hundreds of years? I know the, the timeline is going to be much faster than it got to get here because we've compounded time into these uh, technological innovations that, like, basically concentrate time into a weapon. Like, that's what technology often is. Um, but even with with hundreds of years, the idea that no, we're in the world where this all falls apart, uh, it's cope. You're giving up. You're giving up. You're giving up on the problem. And uh, and why? Because you trigger the libs. You gave up on the problem, the real rigor of this problem, uh, because it was more fun to trigger the libs online. Isn't that it, Nick? And that's why they made the wrong call. That's why all these guys went the wrong code because they were too invested in mechanical truth to see the push and pull between spirit and matter. Oh boy, I'm getting over the top here. Never mind. But yes, so that's that's me saying uh, no doom pill uh, because you're always in a contingent hit moment of history. Because everybody else, look, at, look back at all history and you'll find the contingency in it at some level. And you just have to know where, you, where that is for you to put your shoulder against the wheel. Because you're, why are you triggering the libs? Because you cannot get full satisfaction from a moment of uh, of, of of labor, of, of pressing against something, of actually getting friction. You prefer the fake, sterile friction of going on the internet. Uh, actually, there is no, somebody asked, "What's the difference between grill pill and cleaning your room?" There isn't. It's it, I'm attempting to. This is essentially going to. Uh, uh, 
be, be provide some. I hope for some people this is providing like a uh, a a uh, a challenge, a dialectical challenge to the Peterson stuff, which we didn't do last time. I'll admit it because I wasn't thinking that way. Uh, I was just thinking of his greater threat because everyone's beliefs were so brittle on the internet. It's like, oh no. Uh, the, 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 the essential insight that Jordan Peterson had was that you can't tell someone to do something, they have to want to do it themselves. That's it. And, that's, and, the, and the, way you, the, the only way to prove that to someone is to ask them to do something small and then see it develop in their own life. And so they convince themselves and it wasn't you. That's the central insight of Clean Your Room. And nobody talked about it like that because to give him any credit was to say that, yes, actually women are chaos lizards who need to be kept in cages, or whatever the fuck. Um, but the reality is, is that if you don't start from that, you are fucked. And, like, I guarantee you, 99%, and the thing is, is that mine's better, mine's better, because I, I guarantee you, the majority of those fucking uh, um, clean your room guys, they ended up just as miserable, if not more so. Because what was... Jordan Peters, Peterson's ultimate explanation for their misery. It wasn't that they live in misery because they're incarnated flesh and that their duty in life is to reduce the amount of suffering in the world. No, it's that there's a demonic cabal of, of Marxist college professors telling girls that they shouldn't date them. No amount of cleaning a room is going to get you to a point where you can... Uh, satisfactorily press against that truth. Unless you fill a, a, a gym bag with Tech Nines and go to a fucking college campus. Because it's abstract, because it's because it's faulty. It's just a faulty thing. And because it's faulty, what do they end up doing? If they don't grab a gun and go shoot people, they go and try to take down those Marxist professors online. Because Jordan Peterson only told them one part, one pole of this wiggling truth nugget thing that you're trying to grip together. He was saying, he was saying, yes, you need to be self-motivated, but you need to be self-motivated to go on the computer and tell these fucking feminists to shut up and to tell them to read my book. Boom. You're right back on the computer and everything I've talked about, about reifying all the shit, banging your head against the wall, seeing your degree of investment in any level dissipate and be replaced with nothing but I'm saying we live in we live we are bound we are bound materially we are bound materially and that means that we can only act materially and that's why clean your room even though it starts from the same premise as a grill pill is fraudulent and mine like I said you can find out for yourself I'm not trying to tell anybody anything other than if they want to be less miserable, try to find something that they can do in their lives. Yeah, DBT is a part of it for sure. Whatever like thing in your head that can act as a, uh, as a bridge to legibility is something that you should incorporate. I mean, I'm not going to judge. I don't care. Yeah, a current affair. Yeah, the, the McRib's back guy. I mean, that guy really should have made caused people to be more introspective, you know? Because, I mean, either way, that's disturbing, right? Like, if you're not going to think about it too much, you're still going to have to wonder 
how many of my fellow Rosa Mosey comrades are just like on the edge of some sort of snap, some sort of break? Uh, how can I trust their owns? How can I trust their uh, their cool? Uh, how can I trust that their memes aren't counterfeit? Uh, or at least to think like, damn, doing all that posting online really did not help this guy at all develop better political opinions because usually uh, your politics should not include shooting up a bunch of people at a bar. <clears throat> Including your your uh, sister, for my, God's sakes. Or no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I think uh, this is trans uh, brother, I'm not sure. Uh, you're forget. You got to assume all these. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. Someone asked a question about uh, the thing about uh, energy and resources. You have to imagine at some point that all systems are closed, and that even that includes economic systems. And at this point, you can assume that the economic system is closed. As for now, the economic system is a closed system, except for like uh, photosynthesis. You know, at that level of like of like sun, the sun energy being brought brought in and like the the uh occur the uh magnetic poles it's a closed system it's a global economic system for the i mean the exceptions are negligible enough to be uh essentially friction i might end up living in the woods i have no idea the thing is is that you can't really plan too far ahead and that's scary at times like this when everything feels so liquid and if it's like it doesn't change things you planning and fretting about a future that you can't directly train to bring about will not change the urgency of your feelings about it you have to channel them productively right because you got to remember it's like yeah we still have photosynthesis and and uh and uh and sun coming in but we also have greenhouse gases literally cutting off and 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 uh like reflecting the heat back so it's like unless we are able i mean unless somebody wants to to uh replace the carbon economy with like a wildly more efficient solar energy uh grab we're gonna have a crisis point because because consumption just isn't going down because consumption is how authority is maintained in the West. Yeah, see, everyone's offering me just, and uh, uh, everyone's saying I'm wrong. It's like, yeah, people, I am wrong because I don't know that much about science. You can check. I don't know, but I just know that that is that is the mental picture to help you bring down to the size of things like the economy the specifics of it I don't know because I'm not a science man and people are and any any objection anybody wants to talk about I should, it's a category because you see the way that systems rise and fall and collapse they're all mirrors of each other oh boy I'm getting crazy never mind I'm getting two in the weeds uh, delete all of this I gotta stop looking at the I gotta stop looking at the thing. I get the chat, I get distracted. Uh 
But the thing is, is the problem with degrowth, people say we need to degrowth. Well, what is the political valence of that? You got to get people on your side to have less of a consumer experience when the consumer experience is the whole total of their commitment to the system that they live in. That's the challenge. And saying degrowth is one thing. Making degrowth something that is politically palatable is different. There has to be a reduction of, uh, of consumption in the West just by virtue of people won't want to do it as much. It's not going to be like people are like, oh, it's, uh, you need a... And the thing is, it's under neoliberalism, yeah. Like degrowth in the West, it would be uh, Soylent and, uh, and those roach uh, uh, candy bars from Snowpiercer. Neo- neoliberal degrowth is, yeah, genocidal. Like neoliberal anything is going to be genocidal as resource constraints and, and, distrib- uh, and climate change uh, instability ratchets up. But a socialist degrowth would just happen naturally because people wouldn't need as much stuff because they wouldn't need to be replacing their, uh, their, their alienated spirit. So the way to talk about it is to talk about like the first step. Like, so don't talk about degrowth because now you're arguing about whether degrowth is good or not. Oh, good. This is useful. Work from degrowth to politics and then start over again work from anything and it's like no you need more tech yes you need more tech and the tech needs to be socialized work from there to politics don't argue on this on the abstract level of an ideology i'm just saying that that's not going to be productive as a conversation with somebody else if you want to think about those things in abstract terms go for it but if you're going to talk to somebody else you're going to just end up arguing about semantics i swear to god because at the end, you have to reduce everything down to what is the material condition, but most importantly, what is the direct act we can do in the present moment to advance it in the good direction. And those are two different, that's a different question than where we're trying to get to. So those are two arguments that should be had, but they should not determine present action. And I feel like People have substituted arguing for like which brand of communism, what flavor, what type of uh, socialism will work. And the thing is, you can only refine that so much online. Eventually, it has to turn into action. And if you're taking the action at that abstract level to now, you're going to get frustrated and give up again and go back to the computer because it's not applicable. It's a level of abstraction that's for, that is not related to your daily life so you've got to work back from your conclusions degrowth is a correct conclusion under some circumstances uh a uh, uh, green like an industrial re- uh, uh job guarantee and like a new industrial revolution is also true and necessary to an extent you have to bring them back down to the level of politics to move forward enough to know what the mix will be when the moment comes that it becomes something to enact Right, when and where. And that is going to be determined in the future. So we have to determine in the now how to create a space where the left is as strong as possible. How to get to a point where people are willing to act on their belief in some 
symbolized concept that is boiled down to a coalition of humans willing to take action. We are both. We are waiting for the moment at the symbolic level, but we're acting to bring it about at the material level. And the thing is, is that we're moving towards a goal, but we're moving... It's like we got a carrot on a stick in front of us. we got to watch our feet, though. You want to look at the carrot once in a while to make sure that it's still there and it didn't fall off the stick or get blown off by wind or a bird took it. But you have to keep your... If you're on a treacherous terrain, which we are, you got to keep your eyes on, the feet, on your feet. Or else you're going to trip. See, everyone's asking me, how can we do it? I don't know. Because it's not at that level yet. We're not at the abstract level. The left isn't at a level of power to consider degrowthing anything. People couldn't even degrowth the mold. I couldn't even degrowth the mold in my own damn bathroom. Am I right, folks? The left is in a position to do nothing, to act in no way because it doesn't have power. So it must build power. That answer to that question is too close at the, too close at hand to the people who need to do it to be answered in the etheric plane. So yeah, I'm basically uh, I'm kicking the can down the road because this is just such an unstable moment. It feels wildly unstable. But the thing is, there are spontaneous reactions, you know. Like the 1905 Russian Revolution, obviously not comparable in a lot of different ways to our current situation. At every level, all of the political parties that have been trying to agitate against Tsardom were completely shocked when it broke out. It was all through spontaneous action. They had helped bring it about through their agitation, partially. But they were all surprised by it, and then they had to change to adapt to the new situation. And we all find ourselves in that situation. Right now we're waiting for the uh, for the North Sea Fleet to go around uh, Africa. I do not do fat dabs. I've never done a dab. I mean, I've I've hit the dab, of course, as we all have. Who amongst us doesn't enjoy hitting the dab? When do I think restaurants will be back? That's an interesting one. I think it's, it's going to be... Uh, hmm. That's really interesting because, uh, obviously, they want everyone to go back to eat immediately... Uh, but people don't want to die. But the good news for them is that if people do really start dying now in big numbers, the way they're predicting, people will get more used to it, and that will drive them basically to go, you know, distract themselves more from that horror by going back to the restaurants. But uh, there's going to be such a huge gap uh, in demand there that I don't know how long it's going to take. 
uh, on their way to Iceland. I've been to Iceland. It's beautiful. But it's also a volcano. Remember that thing blew up? It's clapping time, folks. I think cities are going to stay closed for a while, but that's going to pose problems, obviously. Will the USPS die? I mean, the trajectory is it will be taken over to some degree by and replaced by something like Amazon, right? I mean, that just seems to be, unless something intervenes, and it could, it seems like that is the course. Yeah, the thing is, is that one thing that might honestly happen that we honest, that we are underestimating the possibility of is that there is just they do just go hog wild that even even these like uh you know neoliberal wahhabists in charge they just open the spigot uh and you know instead of just doing the 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 direct transfer to corporations they've done actually start putting money out there uh just to keep the lights on uh, and that and they would do that to the least extent they would ha- feel like they would have to to keep the situation stable and that would be something i guess like finally instituting at long last an ubi just to get enough demand in the economy to hope to start a uh, a keynesian cycle but that depends on a lot of things including how bad climate change gets and how quickly And like the fa- if if oil continues to not ma- be worth anything, that's an X factor too that I have no idea how you factor in. But it's not good either way. Yeah, I mean it would have to be like I don't think it would be a monthly thing. That would they, that would be terrified that that would turn into a so, like social security checks. But I could see them like cutting like twelve hundred dollar checks every like two or three months on an ad hoc basis. Classic kick the can down the road. Because that's all they can do. Like that's late. Late stage capitalism is just kicking the can down the road until something happens. What you're really intervening for, if you have an interest in an investment in like the government, what you're really intervening, waiting for, is another technological like uh, inflection point that uh, solves a lot of your underlying problems of distribution. And again, gets and and that puts profit back into the system, uh, but. If that's not coming, and man, I don't know if it, it doesn't, sure doesn't look like it, uh, then they're going to just keep kicking the can until the road crumbles off the end of the bridge. Ah, uh, yes. Geli Raubel, Hitler's niece. I, he probably killed her. I mean, he was Adolf Hitler, right? I mean, he's Adolf Hitler. Some his, 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 his niece, who had a very weird relationship, mysteriously commits suicide during his rise to power. I'm not going to suspect, my first suspect isn't going to be Adolf Hitler, like the worst guy ever. Yeah. I'm just going to make a Bayesian inference that it might have been Hitler. 
they clapped. It's just they love. It's losing a little energy. It's like anything, you know. Like you kind of get used to. You kind of like clap it up, and then it gets less novel, and then you kind of, and then you either peter it out or you know at some point you give it a little bit more and it takes back up again. It's in a lull right now for sure. That's very nice of you to give Hitler the benefit of the doubt. Uh, all right, I'm going to... I, I think I've realized what's happened is, is that when I get to the level of like politi- abstract politics and prescriptive stuff, uh, it gets dicey because, one, it's so far away from the reality, uh, and two, I feel so sort of unmoored still a little bit. You know, I'm still coming into my daily understanding of myself. Uh, so... I think tomorrow, uh, if you, anybody who's tuning in tomorrow who's watching, uh, I would like to do some history questions. I had a lot of fun talking about Napoleon uh, a couple days ago, so let's uh, let's talk some uh, some movies maybe, and uh, and history would be fun tomorrow. Uh, right. Uh, the, the Twitch videos are a few days behind being up on YouTube, but they're all on Twitch for now. Well, that's just it. This person says, if I'm not well-read, how the hell are you learn about Wallenstein? Well, that's just it. You learn about Wallenstein. You don't have to read him. Boom. Because it's not like anybody's going to really challenge you on your knowledge of him. Because nobody else has read him. At, nobody else has read him either. Which means the people who have read him aren't going to get other people to really get it, and so they don't talk about it at a very uh, advanced level, and so nobody feels the need to. Like that's how, like, the, the incentive system of of talking about politics and history and stuff on the internet is to learn less. I know that happened to me. Taiping, ooh, that's a good one. All right, I got some stuff to think about for next week or for tomorrow. Taiping is very good. And the thing is, is the discourse is all cliff notes, and, like, that's inevitable. It has to be. But it's what are in the notes. We pick the bad things. We pick kind of vapid things to be in the notes. Ah, the German peasant war. That's a good one, too. That one's one's very interesting to talk about in context of uh, Protestantism. I, they're also doing a uh, Rob Ford movie with uh, with Damien uh, Lewis as Rob Ford, like in a fat suit. Very funny. Ooh, Cromwell. Cromwell would be very good. All right. I'll talk to you guys uh, tomorrow. Bye-bye.